Well, welcome to decaf with two sleep deprived individuals who have been staying awake, waiting for an, an election return that might not happen until Friday, just so everyone knows, just so that we can be without fault if something changes in the next hour. It is Thursday morning at 9.32 a.m. Central Time. Mark and I are so tired. <laughs> <laughs> we have been staying awake, surfing Twitter, Instagram. I've been on the Wall Street Journal website like it's my job. Mark, what are you looking at? I, I have predicted because that's like the uh, kind of the betting odds and how they're going up and down. And that, that's usually the best indicator of who's going to win and who's not. So I, I've been using that in the kind of the New York Times they used to call it the needle. They took it away because they were so wrong at some of these points. But the New York Times kind of updates and, and what they're saying. Well, I've been, yeah, I've been on, <clears throat> on Wall Street Journal. They have something where you can predict what it would take the paths to victory. So I've been doing that a lot. But um, as of right now, at this time, I think Arizona is still in the air. Mark might disagree with me. No, no, no. Uh, I, I think it is still in the air. I don't I think that's the problem for for President Trump is that's the only thing that's still in the air at this point. And you that's don't not think gonna, Pennsylvania or Georgia or North Carolina are. I mean, Georgia and North Carolina are too, but I'm saying there's no there's no way for him to get there without Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania looks really bad right now. So I think that uh, I do agree. I think Georgia is going to be a, basically a coin flip. Uh, North Carolina, Trump should take. Uh, I don't think he's going to get enough votes. There's not enough votes out there. I don't think in Pennsylvania for him for him to win that. So I, I think he could win Arizona and then still lose a very close electoral college uh, defeat. I am not admitting defeat until, <laughs> until, I mean, obviously you can tell I'm a Republican by me saying that, but I'm not admitting that it's over until it is like over, over. And Mark thinks well, I'm well, insane for that. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not, I mean, it, it's never officially over. I think that when we look at the percentages, we're looking Trump has about a third, maybe 10 to 13% chance of winning, um, which is actually kind of what it, funnily enough, like started at. Uh, he, he actually had a little better chance going in uh, betting wise, but it, it's unlikely that he's going to win at this point. Um, and the, the stock markets have kind of have gone up today, mostly because they think there's going to be a result. They don't yeah, think there's it's gonna, certainty. Yeah, yeah, there's certainty there. Um, it was it's a, it was a very interesting election there because looking at betting lines, um, it, Trump started out as as a decent size underdog. When you talk about betting, he did he was in in the betting odds and he was in the polls. But then at like I don't I guess it was about nine o'clock nine thirty um, on on Tuesday night he was a, a substantial favorite. They thought Trump was going to win. He was like a, a four to one favorite. And then by about one or by about midnight it went back to about even. And then by the time it was about three a.m., which is about when I went to bed Tuesday night. Biden was back to a favorite. You woke up Tuesday morning and Biden was, was a substantial favorite. And it really hasn't budged a lot from Wednesday morning, uh, yesterday morning, where Biden's kind of stayed in that kind of 80 to 85 percent chance of winning the election. I mean, I love that Mark's in the betting odds because him, you blowing up my phone Tuesday night, Mark is like keeping me because I'm watching Fox News and I'm spiraling and I'm convincing myself of all these different outcomes. And then Mark starts blowing me up like betting odds, betting odds, check your predicted betting odds, like all these different things. But you know, the funniest thing is, is that um, a lot of people, like when you watch the election coverage, if you watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or whatever you're watching, uh, it, it's much different than what the actual situation is. So like I was actually at a bar with like the bar and he's like, oh man, uh, Trump's going to definitely lose North Carolina because he was down by whatever, 8% with like 20,000 votes or 20, 20% left. I'm like, no, he's actually a favorite there right now because you can see what's left. So if you're only watching election coverage, what would have happened was you would have been really, really 
nerves about Trump and beginning to be like, oh, he's going to lose this, then you would have been too high on him because of the early Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania numbers. And yeah, and, and ultimately there wouldn't have been a middle ground because you don't know if you're just watching it, you don't know what votes are left, whether it's the early vote or whether it's the the um, election day vote. And, and that's and you don't know what counties and things like that. But that the New York Times kind of does that for you. So I, I was I think I had a pretty realistic expectation of what was going to happen um, throughout the night, I guess. So, so we should say before I, I predicted Biden would win and the Republicans would win the Senate. Um, you predicted Trump would win. Uh, I, you don't, we have, you didn't really talk about the Senate much. I, I said you... we would win Senate, but there was no way we would get House. Yes. Um, so we were both off. Um, I, I thought it was going to be, I, I actually did my electoral map and I might be exactly right, except for Nebraska too. That's the, but I've never been more right and more wrong at the same time. So I'm, I'm very surprised at how things went. Yeah, I know. I think we're all shocked. I think we're all shocked at how things went i'm currently if we want to switch gears a little bit since you brought up congress i'm shocked about what's happening in the senate right now especially in georgia yeah so what it looks like now is that we're not going to know who who controls the senate until um january i know it's going to be a 50 48 um republican win they they picked up really huge huge races in maine and north carolina those were kind of uh they were they were decent they were huge underdogs in north carolina and tom won that seat and and in uh, Susan Collins had closed in the, in the last couple of weeks, but she was an underdog for sure going in and she, she won handily. And then mm-hmm. you see things were like Lindsey Graham won by double digits when he was a slight favorite. And, and, and so because of Georgia's system, if you don't hit 50%, um, you have to go to a runoff. And the Libertarian there took about, I think, two and a half percent in the Purdue race. And that's going to be the reason they have to go to the runoff. It was off. And then um, the other race was kind of like a weird special election primary where they had two Republicans, one Dem- or actually two Democrats, two Republicans, That's right. and the top two advanced. So that will not be done until January. So you can imagine if you live in Georgia, there's going to be so much money poured into that place. I mean, you're not going to be able to watch TV. I remember um, when I lived in Alabama during the Roy Moore, Doug Jones election, I would not even turn on the TV because all it was was one commercial after the next, after the next. It was so, so so annoying. So in Georgia, you know, they, you know, get, get some online TV so you don't have to watch these commercials because that's going to drive you up a wall. And they've already had it, right? I mean, they were, so they've already had it for the last eight months. And now on top of that, and, and it, it's just, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's worth noting. Um, the Republicans are going to be favored to, to retake the Senate, probably at a pretty high clip, probably about 85% chance. It's going to be hard. I think, especially without the presidential election there to bring I mean, I mean, it's, it's just it's it's going to be tough, and it's eighty, it's about eighty-five percent for the Republicans to um, hold the Senate. The House will be Democrat, but the Republicans surprisingly picked up seats there. It looks yes, like. I was shocked, and one of the things that I was pleasantly surprised about is there were a lot of Republican women unseating Democrat men, and you know, as a conservative woman, I feel like a lot of times there aren't many of us that are represented in elected office, and so I loved seeing conservative women come in and, and pick up some of those seats. That was pretty great. Yeah, well, I'm actually in South Florida right now. Uh, I'm kind of on vacation for the thing. And one of the biggest um, things that came out of this election was what happened in, in Miami-Dade County, which is a very, it's, it's a majority Hispanic county. And uh, two f- seats were flipped to Republicans there. And, and Trump outdid himself like 12 points from last time and, and almost won the county. So it's it was, there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of interesting things that happened here. And really the only reason Trump won Florida was because of Miami-Dade County. And yeah. he did 
I think I read that he did, Trump did better with the minority vote than I think any Republican since 1960. What? I did not. Yeah, that's amazing. That he that he did. Yeah, and I don't know if it was total votes or percentage, but but it was a uh, he, he increased his share of that, and it seems like based on what I'm seeing so far, he lost his share among kind of suburbanites, especially suburban women, and I think yeah. older people, at least in Florida, where I think that some people who were concerned about coronavirus and don't feel like he's handed it well, decided to maybe vote for Biden. See, this is why I love doing election coverage with Mark, because you dive in so deep on every little fact of what's going on, and you always know all the little intricacies. Do you have any more knowledge bombs to drop on us before we start talking about the election generally? Well, to me, I, I, first of all, I love, it feels like a sporting match, but it's also an election. So I mean, it doesn't really matter who you want to win. And, and that's why I think that there's some people in our universe who are, um, I think they may have wanted Trump to win. So they, they tried to convince himself that he was definitely going to win. But the one thing I said the whole time that a lot of people didn't quite listen to me on is that if the, the polls might be wrong, the polls were wrong. And we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But if they were even more wrong than they were last time, Biden can still win. And that's exactly what happened. So I feel like when people kept saying, oh, but 2016, 2016, it's like, well, if they were as wrong as they were in 2016, Biden still wins. And that's what a lot of people didn't quite understand. Um, but ultimately, if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, it was a great, great night for Republicans. It's hard to, no matter what happens in the presidential election, which again, it does seem like we're going to have a president uh, elect Biden. Right. But no matter what you what your expectations were, it was a really good night for Republicans. They kept every state house. Um, they they held on the Senate when people didn't think. Even Fox News, when the polls closed, they said, "Okay, our projection is the Democrats are going to keep the House and expand it by at least five seats." Right now, the Republicans have expanded it by four seats. So that was their call. At the so that was their call, which is basically so. I mean, it has been a a big surprise and. I, I know a lot of people on both sides. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are liberals, a lot of friends that are, are conservatives are, are mad because they're saying, oh, well, Trump's out. But people on the left are like, well, we can't pass anything. It looks like we're going to have a senator. We're going to have a, a majority leader McConnell. We didn't do anything in the House. We actually lost seats. And now we, we maybe are more at risk in two years. And none of the state legislators flipped us. So if there's redistricting, it's all going to be almost all Republican control. So it was it was a mixed bag, I think, for either party. But I think both both people have reason to be disappointed and excited. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're more idealistic than saying like we're Republicans, we're Democrats, we can say whatever we want, but we're very idealistic. And I think that one thing that I thought was really awesome is that um, because Republicans did pick up seats and didn't lose where we thought we would, this wasn't a referendum on Republican on conservative policies at all. This wasn't some type of referendum vote where people widespread rejected conservative policies. They rejected certain candidates over others. I think a lot of it is a personality issue or a situational handling issue. But I think that overall, people aren't rejecting the policies that conservatives or libertarians hold and promote when they're in office. Or, yeah, or at least the policies that President Trump uh, does, which I mean, I think that we agree with some, don't agree with some, but right. it, it was interesting when they expected that. Trump would really bring down a lot of these places. And for the most part, I mean, I think he lost because of his personality. I haven't seen, and, and I think that we'll see that COVID was going to be an issue, whether you agree that or not, that his handling is not going to didn't appeal to, to voters, but he didn't bring the rest of the ticket down. And that, that's what they, that's what everyone's very concerned about. And I told you this, I said, the Republicans were underdogs to keep the Senate. Like, as long as Trump stays somewhat close and competitive, mm -hmm. they should keep the Senate. Mm -hmm. and, most Senate candidates, interestingly enough, ran ahead of Trump, which they didn't actually expect. So even in Michigan, John James is going to end up losing a very close race, but he ran ahead by one, 1.5 or two points. Susan Collins ran ahead of him by 17 in Maine. Yes. 
Um, so I think that we, I think that the the Republicans also fielded very good Senate candidates. And so I mean, the Democrats did too. If you look at what happened in Arizona, uh, Mark Kelly was a really strong candidate there. Even mm-hmm. some of the ones they lost in Montana. I mean, Steve Bullock was as, as strong as one they can get. I mean, they just couldn't win it. And and right. Trump didn't bring down the ticket quite as much as they thought he would. Yeah, I think it's all very interesting. Um, another thing that talking about the election more broadly, one of the things that I thought was very interesting, was that on election day, the CDC came out and said that people who were COVID positive could break quarantine to go vote. We have talked about this until we're blue in the face, so I don't want to spend too terribly much time on it, but I think that this just goes to show, and this could be me having a hot take and I could get in trouble for this, but Mm -hmm. when you see things like this and you try to argue that the lockdowns aren't political, it makes it really hard to argue that quarantine and locking down isn't political when the CDC themselves said that people could break, COVID positive people could break quarantine to go out and vote. I think that is just an absolutely wild turn of events that's going to make it really hard to justify lockdowns in the future. If we do have a President Biden say, and he has talked about nationwide lockdowns and nationwide this, that, and the other, but the CDC said that COVID positive people could break quarantine to vote. I think it. I think it makes it really hard to justify that. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I mean, and this is—it's not obviously just the CDC because a lot of the state governments and the other ones are doing the lockdowns and not necessarily even following the CDC advice. But right. it, it, it's tough to say because I mean, voting is super important and, and, and people should be able to vote. But so is going to your friend's funeral. So is going to um, a wedding. So is going to your your child's I don't know christening or going to church. Like, there's a lot of things that are really important and people view them differently. Different things are important to different people. Voting is not that important to some people, but going to their dad's funeral sure as hell is. Yeah. So, and of course, that's not the CDC that did that, but I just think it's just more of people are prioritizing what they think is most important. Mm-hmm. So, Protesting is important in some areas, okay. some, but in other ones, it's not. So I, I it, it's just, uh, there's just a lack of consistency. And it's, I know it's unfair to do this, but it's the whole government at large. It's state, I mean, the CDC is a, a government agency. So they they just go with whatever they want to. And the CDC, guess what? That's not a health and safety thing if people can go vote. You know, yeah. like they're allowed to, but like that's not, it's not going to make people safer. So why are you saying that? I, it, I, I don't know. It's just the CDC is annoying. It's, I, I don't ever know what they believe. And every time you think they're talking about things based in science, they say something like this. I'm like, well, this isn't based in science. You're just saying that voting's too important that don't worry about it kind of. Yeah, that's that's not science. That's not uh, trusting the science by any stretch. So, yeah, I totally agree with you there. The last thing I want to touch on is I really want to make fun of some people. Um, and I know Mark loves to do that with me. Um, we we love Mark and I love to make fun of people. And today I especially want to make fun of the pollsters. You know, I really love that the mainstream media is just ripping the pollsters to shreds. The two probably most hated groups in all of um, in all of America at this point are the pollsters and the mainstream media, and they are eating each other alive. Have you ever seen anything quite so beautiful? Well, I mean, what's funny is though it's not a it's not a partisan thing. I mean, I mean, the Democrats are hammering the pollsters too. Yeah, and they're they're like like they gave us this false sense of security, or or they gave our candidates this idea that like we're ahead, and they were so far off, and and they kept saying that they have adjusted their mistakes uh, uh, four years ago, and they really have focused on hitting. Non college educated white voters, which went disproportionately for Trump last time. Um, if you look at it and again, the uh, we'll have to see what the, the final vote ends up being pop like the popular votes. I'm right. not sure they're going off quite as much there 
as they were in a, a couple of specific states, but the Senate has been that's been the most shocking thing. Mitch McConnell won by 21 points. They hit him down like two months ago. And even going yeah. to the it's like he's a seven, eight point favorite. He won by 21. I mean, that's insane. Tommy Tupperville, they're saying eight, nine point favorite, won by 21. Uh, yeah. Literally a coin flip wins by 11. So, I mean, these are double digit differences. And, and there's an ABC Washington poll, Washington Post poll that had Trump losing by 17 in Wisconsin. He'll lose by about one, one and a half, maybe two points. So it's, it's these huge outliers that are problematic and it's they have to figure out what's going on because like right. I think Trump would have won which again looks very unlikely at this point that modern day polling would have been dead because he lost even though they were still really far off um they might survive a little bit longer but you're right. I mean everyone's mad at them and it's hard to justify where the mistakes come came from when you think about if you're on one of those campaigns and you're paying or you work for a news network and you're paying polls aren't cheap and you're paying these people to poll, you're going to reallocate that money to more grassroots type of efforts or anything like that to try to get the vote out because it's it's going to be a crapshoot at some point. You just don't know what's going to happen because that's obviously what happened this time, other than states that were for sure lockups. Um, And I wonder if it's the Trump effect or not. I mean, there's some people out there that think there's um, more Trump voters out there that are not willing to, to share their feelings about it. Some people think that it's the media intentionally trying to change the narrative, which mm-hmm. I don't quite agree with. Because I mean, you can you can look at you can look at all the numbers. It's not like they're hiding where they're getting it from. You can look at the the demographic information. So you might disagree with that, but it's not like it's they're hiding stuff. Um, or it could just be that they just they don't know who to poll. They don't understand that what what America looks like today in terms I- of who's coming out to vote. And it was, it was hard. It, I, let me give them one thing. They, they did a bad job. It's a lot harder when you have such a high percentage of mail-in ballots. You, it, this is a different election than we've ever had before. Ever. Mail-in ballots. It's been, I think, the most people that have voted in a long time, um, percentage-wise. So it, it's tough, but you can't be that far off. I know. I know. You can, you can be a little wrong and we'll forgive you, but this was like this was a mon- monumental failure on the part of the pollsters. And, and, you know, they'll, they'll, like you said, they'll argue that no, it wasn't because they predicted a Biden win, but you have to look at the close numbers and say, like, if it, if it had been any fraction, if you had said that he was going to win by 14 instead of 17, then it could have gone all the way. To tr- like you, you have to look at those little margins and, and that's, that's the case this time. So I will be interested to see in four years, we'll probably still be hosting decaf at that time. If, if, um, if they still have a job. There's one more big thing too. It's like the race they were the most wrong on, which I talked about a little bit earlier. Is like that Tom Tillis race in North Carolina, they had him down like seven and he's going to win. It looks like, I, know. So, I mean, that's not just being off by eight points. That's being off in a big way of who actually won the election. Who's going to win the Senate. They weren't off as, I mean, but, but I mean, they were off, what, eight, nine, 10 points on Susan Collins. They had her losing by about three. She's going to win by seven or eight. They didn't even have to do the ranked choice voting in, in Maine. So they were, they might've been right about the Biden thing, but they were wrong substantially on, on Senate seats that went one way or the other because they were off by eight or nine points. And you do know, you, Mark? Like, oh, I, thought, I thought he went by nine, but he won by 20. I mean, this is actual changes of, of, of Senate seats. Do you think that polling affects how people vote? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know. And I think if anything, it, it, it could actually give the, the people who are winning more of a, a feeling that they're going to win. So maybe they don't have to vote. Yeah. If they say, okay, we're up by 10. Like I'm busy today. I don't know if I have time to go out and vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think that it might be the opposite of what they think. I, I, that that's an opinion. I don't have any numbers to back that up, but that's yeah, that's, that's an opinion question. Because yeah. I've I've heard a lot of pundits um, speculating that if people hear well Trump's way behind, then his base is like, well, we've already lost. We might not might not as well go in, or the same in a Senate seat. So, but you said just the opposite just now. So it's very it, interesting. It could be either though. It could be either. They both make sense, right? Especially if you're showing it as a blowout. It's like, what's the point? My my candidate's good. I don't need to waste my time on it. Or my candidate's bad and. I mean, I'm not going to win. So I'd rather stay home if I'm busy. Well, I think that my final thought, I'm going to give you a second for final thoughts, but my final thought is no candidate is perfect. No one believes wholeheartedly what I believe about anything. Um, I think that national elections highlight the importance for local policy because we can see that no candidate on the national scale is exactly lined up with how we feel in our house in our city around our kitchen table for the most part and so no matter what happens I think that um, I'm not going to lose sleep over it because I feel very confident and very sure in Tennessee's future and how state and local politics are going to um keep us keep our money safe keep us safe and uh if anything yeah national elections make me even more confident and hopeful about local politics and state politics yeah and i think one of them that we should we should also give a shout out we have a new senator in tennessee senator bill Haggerty is now yeah, is senator from tennessee um yeah the only thing i think was like last night was i, I or not last night i guess it's two thursday now i, I feel like i didn't slept uh tuesday night was i mean it really was you could really find good things from either party and truthfully, I'm, I'm one of those people that I like when there's a split government. I like that less gets done. You know, usually unemployment's lower. The stock market's higher. So unless some a, a huge upset happens in the Senate, I think we're going to have a split government. I mean, say what you want about the president and who you want to be president. It might not have been the, the uh, perfect result, but I think everyone in America should be happy that one party is not controlling everything. At, at least say that maybe it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, but it's not so bad. And, and I, I was a little bit worried that if if some of the left people won and they won by substantial margins, some of these really bad policies um, that like Medicare for all and, and a $15, $20 minimum wage, things like that that are really ending fracking, that would be, I think, really extreme could potentially go through. But with this, I, I think no matter what side you can feel safe and if you're on the left, that some of the, the what you consider extreme right wing positions are not going to not going to go through. So I think it's um, I, I think it was a good night. It was an exciting night. And both both sides can claim victory in some way. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for watching and we'll see you guys uh, next week.